Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Hotep Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Hotep, Hotep, Hotep Jesus. Oh, this is a real Hotep, brother. What's up, people? We here for a Saturday, Griff. We got a special guest, Dr. Tanai Ricks, PhD in the house. What's good, family? How y'all feeling? Tanai, what's up, baby? I'm chilling, man. You know, I was on the ropes yesterday. <laughs> I was like, yo, hold up. <laughs> I got to come on tomorrow, son. I don't know what the hell going on with my sinuses, bro. Nah, but I'm better. We here. I can't let you come on here sick and shit. You know what I'm saying? You <laughs> <laughs> Which is ironic, right? Because what we're talking about today. <laughs> exactly. Like, damn. Exactly. Um... But I'm glad you was able to do the Saturday Griff with me. You know, Saturday Griff is usually a little bit, a little bit harder. You know, we kind of want to relax and shit. Um, I'm, I'm gonna be studying all day. Then I gotta go shopping. I gotta go shopping um, for HotepCon. You did your shopping hey, for HotepCon yet? Me too. No, yeah. I you didn't send me the flight information, all that stuff yet. But yeah, like I gotta go shopping. I ain't sent it to you yet. Not yet. Oh shit. It's in one of these spreadsheets somewhere. I got you, though. You see, they, you see how they be doing me, chat? They be bringing me on. They be, they be, you know, talking me up and shit. And then they just be treating me like little red stuff. I ain't got none of my info yet. Damn. All right, I'm going to get you your flight info. And when you get to the airport, it's going to be a uh, a little Asian or Arab dude. With his, he's going to hold your name up on the card and shit, let you know okay. your transportation. All right, bet, bet. Um... So, uh, looking forward to HotepCon. I want to do a little bit of prep for HotepCon. One of the things that we wanted to talk about was germ theory. I don't want to spill all the beans here today on the stream about germ theory, but um, do want to have a, a quick look over on the topic, especially as it pertains to uh, COVID-19. Now, I have here a description of uh, germ theory. You can tell me if this is wrong. I got this from Britannica.com. Uh, it says germ theory in medicine, the theory that certain diseases are caused by the invasion of the body by microorganisms, organisms too small to be seen through a microscope. The French chemist and microbiologist Louis Pasteur, the English surgeon Joseph Lister, and the German physician Robert Koch are given much of the credit for the development and acceptance of the theory. Do you believe in uh, germ theory uh, tonight? So I don't necessarily believe in germ theory as a strict cause for pathology, but I do believe that we have some diseases because these quote unquote germs are there, right? So <clears throat> with all these diseases and all these theories and things, there are there are parts of truth in all of them. And when you think about germ, germ theory specifically, so the one thing that lets you know that germ theory is not 100% correct is that one person can be completely healthy walk into a room full of sick people and then they can walk out and not be sick. So if the germs are the things that are actually causing the disease that are causing you to be sick, then anytime you walk into an area or you come into contact with whatever these germs are, you should get sick. Right. But that yeah. doesn't happen. <clears throat> there has to be specific conditions that allow these germs to proliferate. And that is where we really have to draw the distinction is the is the proliferation part, right? So if things are not allowed to proliferate, you're not going to see the effects of it, period. We have millions, trillions of microbes in our body, in our digestive tract. Matter of fact, those are the things that regulate a lot of the neurochemicals that are produced in our in our digestive tract. They they drive a lot of the things that we eat. And 
they send off these signals that tell other places and other things in your body how to respond, right? So without these microorganisms, we, I mean, we're more them than we are us, right? And that's been proven plenty of times throughout the scientific literature. So how is it that one day you have this overgrowth of candida in your digestive tract that, you know, you start to now have all these weird food cravings or you start to exhibit some kind of sickness, quote unquote. So the microbes are already there, but what is giving them an opportunity to proliferate or overproduce, right? And that's the terrain. That's where the terrain theory comes in, where it's not necessarily the microbe that is causing the sickness. It's the terrain that is around the microbe that is allowing it to proliferate. And that is the thing that people have to make the distinction about is that you can come into contact with something. And we do come on into contact with things every day, bacteria, viruses, fungi, all these things. We come in these, into contact with these things all the time and we don't always get sick. So you have to consider that where the microbe is trying to take root, it's not a suitable terrain for it to do so, because if it were, then you would see these symptoms of, of over-proliferation, right? Because all these things are coexisting with your body on some level. So that means that there's some level of commensalism. So if you have a level of commensalism, as long as that balance is maintained, you're not going to see the effects of this over-proliferation. Now, when you talk about germs and the the chemical byproducts that they let out and this is the interesting part about germ theory and talking about microbes in general is that sometimes microorganisms will mask themselves from your immune system so uh, i'm a part of this um this consortium called the ut fungal pathogens group and we we actually just had a retreat a couple weeks ago people were you know presenting their research and all these different things and one of the things that a lot of people key on with uh, fungal pathogens themselves is looking at how sugars mask these microbes from your immune system. So you have these things called glycans that are made out of these long chains of glucose. And they're also connect collected or connected to glycogen. So glycogen is just another storage form of glucose. But one of the things that's really interesting about fungal pathogens, specifically when you talk about um, like species of candida, aspergillus, um, cryptococcus, the common pathogenic fungi that you hear about in hospital settings or people that are immunocompromised. A lot of these microorganisms have this, this sugar masking system that masks these different branch points that your immune system can recognize. And when your immune system recognizes it, it sees it as something foreign, and then your immune system starts to attack it. So these microbes on a level, they are trying to survive themselves. So it's not just strictly, oh, you know, this microbe is here because there's something that it needs to clean up. It's like, no, this microbe is trying to survive. Like it has found a terrain that is suitable for it to survive. And because it wants to continue to proliferate in that area, because you have minerals, you know, building blocks, aminos, carbohydrates, things like that, <clears throat> the, ter the terrain for it is suitable to take up hold there. Once it takes up hold there, it doesn't want to get kicked out, right? Because once, once it gets kicked out, then it dies, right? Everything on the planet is trying to survive. So this thing is just happening to try to survive inside of your body. But in order for it to do that, it also has to overcome whatever the, the environmental protections are. In our case, it's our immune system. And when you have these things, that's why you talk a lot about um, biofilms. So a lot of these organisms don't exist as like, you know, pockets or just like one or two microorganisms living in one space. They exist as these large colonies, right? And they let off these biofilms so that they're more resistant to the things that are around them. 
And they do that, of course, because again, they're trying to survive. And if within that survival, they, they're trying to proliferate, they're trying to grow. So when they grow in that space, they overgrow in that space. Now it starts to take nutrients, um, building blocks from the other cells that are around it. So those cells continue to get weakened, those cells continue to die. However, the biofilm is like an intelligent masking system, or it's almost like a shield from the immune system so that these things cannot be broken up easily, can't be killed easily, so they can continue to proliferate. So there is truth in both theories, right? Where you do, where you can't, you can't get sick without there being something there making you sick, but you're also not going to get sick if the conditions are not right for that microbe to grow. They're just going to pass through your immune system or your immune system is just going to be able to clear it on its own. So there's there's truth in, in both sides. Of it. It's not strictly one. It's not strictly the other. But if I were to say there's one there's one thing to key on more importantly, it's definitely the terrain, right? Because if the terrain is not suitable, then it's not going to grow anyway. And you just never have to worry about it. So people should worry more about the terrain part of it more than you should worry about the germ part of it. The part where the germ aspect does become important, though, is when you have situations with people that are immunocompromised. So like I said, we did this retreat and a lot of the research was presented um, in people that were immunocompromised, people that have uh, things like HIV, um, which, you know, we can go into that because <laughs> there are a lot of, you know, you 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 know what you know what that look for. So like we can go into that, but um, you know, people that are, that have underperforming immune systems, right? Those tend to be the people that sickle cell need. will be one of those. Oh, uh, sickle cell is is That's a when genetic trait attacks yourself or something like that, right? It does. So it doesn't necessarily attack itself. So a lot of people think it's an adaptational trait to malaria because people that have sickle cells they that it disrupts the malarial life cycle so that they the parasite never fully matures. So if the parasite can't fully mature, then you don't get malaria. But when you have two people that have sickle cell trait, you can have full-on sickle cell anemia. And anemia is just a disease of the blood, right? And it just tells you what kind of disease of the blood you have. You have a disease of the blood where your blood can't carry oxygen optimally because the cells are like a sickle. So, but at its base, if you treat the anemia, then you're fine. So sickle cell is more of a genetic thing where it's, it's it was meant to be protective for people in populations that have malaria. I got you. But now that you're in an environment where you don't really have to deal with that, two people with sickle cell trait come together, they can have an offspring that, that has sickle cell anemia. And when that happens, if you don't have the correct nutrients, uh, you don't have the correct uh, oxygen saturation, <clears throat> then the cells change shape. Also, your body makes these cells and they don't make enough of the cells. So essentially what happens is if your body can't produce, your body just produces a number of red blood cells indiscriminately, right? And sometimes what happens with people with sickle cell anemia is that they don't make a lot of red blood cells. So the, the number of faulty cells is higher than the number of normal cells. So you also have these cells that will rupture at a higher rate than a normal cell will. And when that happens, now you're deficient in red blood cells inside of your body. And that's, these, this is where your, your episodes come from. If there were a way for your body to churn out more red blood cells, you would have, on average, a higher number of functioning red blood cells than you would of anemic blood cells or sickle cells. And then that's how you would kind of mitigate some of the effect on just a strictly physical level, right? But and that's and if you look at a lot of the treatment plans for people that have sickle cell anemia, a lot of a lot of it has to do with diet, a lot of it has to do 
with the correct micronutrients that you're getting because you have to have that that constant turnover of red blood cells because when you have the sickle cells, they rupture so easily that you end up being depleted in red blood cells, which is where all your episodes come from. So it's a little bit different where it's okay. not a, a germ that is involved in it. It's just strictly genetic. Got you. Okay. So you said you were on a retreat and what happened? So a lot of the people that were presenting their research it was it was you know children that are immunocompromised children that have cancer children that have hiv children that have like these rare blood disorders and these people are already immunocompromised to begin with so in this case um these fungi that normally wouldn't affect us they affect these children and these children have you know life-threatening side effects because they have life-threatening mycoses because of this so this is where i say that it's not just strictly germ theory. It's not just strictly um, terrain mm. theory because you have some people who unfortunately just have the terrain available for these germs to proliferate. And when that happens, what do we do for them? You know, we can't just say, oh, well, tough shit. You know, this kid has to die because, you know, they have a bad immune system. So in that way, <clears throat> but it is interesting to note that without that compromisation, something that we don't have to worry about. So that's why I say there's a little bit of truth in both of them, where without these foreign invaders, you wouldn't have to worry about these conditions. But when the conditions are available for them to proliferate and for them to take over a certain area, they will do so because they're trying to survive. And unfortunately, that happens in people that are immunocompromised. And a lot of times when we're talking about um, talking about like childhood interventions, these are children that have already battled some kind of infection before that has left them with a weakened immune system and now they're susceptible to these other things that are in the environment why do you keep calling it fungi that's what that they was are. really so the germs that are getting our body that's that's fungus that's a some fungus. of them are some of them are fungi some of them are bacteria some of them are viruses oh okay so but majority of them you you would consider fungi uh, I don't know if I would consider a majority of them because we have a lot of bacteria too. Right. Uh, I, we were just, I was specifically talking about the fungal pathogens because of the retreat that we were talking about. So we were only talking about fungal oh. pathogens. We weren't talking back, about, about bacterial ones. There are some, um, there are some fungal infections that do work in tandem with bacterial infections. So like Canada and E. coli, there's been some evidence that's shown that like when one overgrows, it kind of influences the growth of the other one. So you kind of got double trouble there. Mm -hmm. So all these microbes on some level are working with each other. And they're also working with you too. It just depends on whether or not um, the conditions are there for them to overgrow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to save some of these other questions I have for Hotep Khan. Let's jump to... Um a uh, hypothetical situation. So Sam Harris was talking about um, sending in the, the Gestapo to uh, force vaccinate people, et cetera, et cetera, assuming there was a disease that was um, super deadly. What's the likelihood of us running into a virus that is super deadly, that is organic and not man-made? In nature, low, very low. Because in nature, very low? The, yeah, because you have to think about the phenotype, right? So if you have a phenotype of a virus that selects for death, you're not going to have a lot of hosts bringing it around, right? Because they're going to die. So if you find something that's super deadly in nature, chances are it's not going to spread very far because you don't have enough hosts to carry it. 
And when that happens, then it's gonna then that evolutionary line is gonna stop. So it is very low that that there's a very low chance that will actually happen in nature. Yeah, I heard that right. So if something pop up, y'all know where that shit was created at. God didn't create that motherfucker. Um, all right, another question. Remember when the natives came here, or or when the white man came here, and uh, the native population they say the smallpox took them out. What what would cause something like that to happen? It, you know, is it is that terrain theory or is that germ theory? So it could be. So this is this is kind of both of them, right? So when you come into contact with something that is foreign to you, your body is trying to figure it out, right? Right. And if your body is not equipped to handle it, the more the repeated exposure is what really takes people out, right? Because again, think about it like a bridge, right? A bridge is meant to carry so many cars back and forth across so many miles, right? But you have to do periodic maintenance on the bridge to make sure that the bridge doesn't collapse. Now, if you don't do periodic maintenance on the bridge, what's gonna happen? The bridge is gonna collapse, right? So after repeated contact with foreign pathogens and foreign things, your body's gonna start to break down if you don't replenish it in a way and replenish that terrain to make sure that this infection cannot take hold or to make sure that these things cannot get into your body and invade your body. Your body is smart. Your body is intelligent. It has all of these checkpoints. It has all of these you know, guards, more or less, to make sure that your energy is circulating correctly. You don't have any blockages. But when things get backed up, either from your diet, how you're moving, then that's when you'll start to see disease, right? So it wasn't specifically that you know, the natives were coming in, just coming into contact, you're adopting their customs, you're adopting their, you're adopting their, their food habits, you're starting to do the things that they do. If that is not what your body is made for, then you're going to start to see things break down. Then that's when you're going to start to be susceptible to other foreign diseases or foreign, um, foreign maladies and things like that. So if you're doing something that your body is not used to, your body has to adjust to it at some point. But if it's something that's also detrimental to your body, it's going to progressively weaken your body to a point where now the terrain of all of these people is now able to be overtaken by this virus. And when that happens, now you start to see it spread through the population. You have no innate immunity to whatever this foreign pathogen is. And so now you start to come up with these issues where you have this whole population that's susceptible to this thing and there's no real intervention for it because they're continuing to do the same things. Now, <clears throat> you didn't have like all of these people succumb to this on accident. You know, you talk about the smallpox blanket. So you have all these things that were done intentionally, right? Because your body, again, is intelligent and it will find ways to overcome whatever it is that you're being afflicted with. But if you're being constantly, you know, exposed to it is very hard for your body to recover then you have to think about your body is using all these micronutrients in order to mount this defense eventually you get depleted eventually you get exhausted when that happens that's when these things take hold and then that's when your body's not able to fight back anymore mm, that makes sense that makes sense okay so for example the white man bring over whiskey now the natives is drinking whiskey you combine that with the smallpox now it's a recipe for disaster. alcohol alcohol weakens your immune system yeah yeah don't do drugs kids that's the <laughs> story here. don't do drugs um somebody in the chat here said uh something about ebola 
Oh, Cannon. What up, Cannon? So hemorrhagic fevers, hemorrhagic fevers are are particularly nasty. Um, a lot of people think that well, there is some evidence to say that it's man-made. I'm not gonna go out on that limb here. We can talk about it more at hotel call. <laughs> <laughs> but hemorrhagic fevers are are a little bit different. Um, but there is there's some other stuff that they don't talk about in with hemorrhagic fevers that we can get into at hotel call. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um it was just a bit is a bit concerning what, what Sam Harris said because you know the, the 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 theory now is the conspiracy theory now is they get everybody to distrust the vax so that later on something really bad happens and now nobody wants to take the vax and then you got a I am legend situation. That's just more smoke and mirrors and bullshit. That's just more stuff they're trying to use to scare people. Like, let's just ignore that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, man, you got again. You have to think about it. If if you have something that is particularly nasty that's killing everybody, it's not going to spread very far. Like how? Because you got to have vectors for these things to spread, right? Or you got to have the conditions for these things to spread, right? So mm-hmm. it's killing everybody that it comes into contact with. Where the hell is it going to spread? Mm. That's a rather good point, sir. A really good point. What about this new disease? They got some shit called Disease X. Did you hear about that? I heard about it, and you know what, man? I just, I gotta be honest. I'll be tuning this shit out, dog. <laughs> like it's just, it's it's just it's just more fear porn, dog. It's just like, oh, we have this unknown disease, but it's like y'all gotta catalog all this other shit, and you can tell us down to the millisecond where you found this strain of COVID, but you named this disease. Like, man, shut the fuck up. Like, nobody's going for that shit, dog. Like, get out of here. <laughs> what do you mean disease X? Like, y'all y'all are so smart and y'all know so much about all these other diseases, but you got to name this disease X because you don't know when it's going to strike and what it's going to do. Man, shut up. I'm not listening to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny you said you tune it out because um, – Sometimes people ask me questions about things and I'm like, yeah, I saw that story and I just scrolled right past it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like I'm not going to listen to that. Dog. Like, Cause you have to think about it too. Infection is not just in your body, right? Infection is through your ears too. Like if you hear these things and they condition you to think that X, Y, Z is going to happen, the infection is already taken hold. Rook was talking about this last time when she was on. You get, at some level, you have to give consent for these things to happen, right? So one of the ways that you give consent is by listening to the bullshit to begin with. Just don't listen to it. <laughs> like, just go outside and live life, bro. I like that. First infection starts between your, your fucking ears. I mean, in your ears. I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm stealing that. So true. So true. We got a lot of people out here fucking infected. Um, As far as the the COVID-19 response from our government and government agencies or some shit or whatever the fuck. Uh, what was the most peculiar, strangest thing or odd or idiotic thing in, in all of the response that stood out most to you that you just went, no, that's not right. I wish I could say everything. And we know at this point it's everything, but I will say, um, when things really started popping off heavy and they was talking about like social distance and I'm like, what the fuck social distance they going to do? Like, like I gotta stay six feet away from this person. Cause like, 
this virus might spread to me because I'm going back to the same thing we said earlier, right? Like you can walk into a room full of sick people, well, you can walk out and be fine, right? So it's just like, the hell is social distancing gonna do? Then the mask, like, bro. And I think the thing that like it really should have made people like question what was going on is when they just said it doesn't matter what kind of mask just make sure your face is covered i'm like there's different coverage for like these masks you're wearing dog like some of these like some of the the microns of the weaving like they don't stop everything so like if this thing is like if this virus is as deadly and communicative as y'all say it is and everybody has to wear n95s why are they telling people that cloth masks are acceptable and then you got people like hanging the mask on their rearview mirror, and then like you see them and they take it off and then they put it on. And I'm just like, <laughs> you can't think this is working. Like you can't think this is stopping anything. Like there's there's no way. And then what really got me too was when they would intermittently let people travel during COVID, but as long as you wore a mask, and I'm like, bro, you on this plane with all these funky ass people, and like y'all think nothing's spreading in here? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, like what what are we doing here? Like, like what is this for? You know? And it was it was pretty simple um to to suss out that this was all about control at first, uh, especially mm. when you started thinking about some of the um some of the genetic things that were going on. We we're talking about how they were engineering the vaccines and can we say vaccine now or we're going to get another, we can say it now. I don't give a fuck. Okay. Okay. Um, so how they were engineering the vaccines and then they're talking about, you know, isolating spike protein. I'm like, uh, that's going to cause genetic squeezing. You're going to have more variants pop up faster. And that's exactly what happened. I'm just like, bro, this is all like first year microbio shit. Like, what is this? Like, why? Like, why is everything that I was taught in school just being ignored right now? <laughs> like, yeah, everybody's just, everybody's just taking everybody else's word. Bro, I was like, bro, I don't think nobody knows what's going on. Uh, and, you know, when this thing first started, uh, I, I did a lot of research about it up front because I was like, man, this is really interesting. Like, we've, we've never lived through anything like this in our lifetime, right? And so right. I'm like, all right, I kind of want to, you know, do as much as I can to, like, help people. And so when um I learned about patient zero, so patient zero was somebody I think that came from um, Asia Pacific in like January. Um, that was like the first documented case of COVID. And that was when when they when they sequenced it, they found um, a fear and cleavage sequence that was really similar to the flu. And so when I saw that, I was like, bro, this is just like the super flu, like whatever. Like I haven't gotten the flu in years. Like, I mean, I I can count on my hands how many times in my adult life and my child life I've had the flu. I'm not worried about this shit, like whatever. And I'm sitting here looking at the other stuff. I'm just like, okay, they this person got over it in like two weeks, man. <laughs> like, why are they locking people down because of this shit? Like, why are they trying to make it seem like is is like this super deadly thing you remember too when it first came out and they were showing all the videos of people like having these weird coughing fits and like falling out in the airport and shit yeah and then like a year later they don't show none of that <laughs> like you don't see nobody falling out no more you don't see nobody having no coughing they just fits. threw that footage out that stuff no more and i was just like bro this is like a huge huge psyop bro like people were legit they just they really and they got a lot of people too and they still get a lot of people to this day man like one of my homies is out in la right now he's like man you know they still passing out masks doing all this other shit i was just like bro like keep me out of california dog i'm good like red states i feel like 
are going to be the last place that you actually have some freedoms because I can tell you here, man, they put us on lockdown for two weeks and they said, fuck it, y'all have to figure it out. <laughs> if we can't keep shit closed over here, man, y'all going to have to go back to work. Y'all got to figure it out. So, so yeah, man, it was... That Thank whole thing was, was really interesting. I mean, they got me at first, but they didn't get me with the propaganda. They got me with the with the virus itself because mm-hmm. I was uh, at CES and all them Chinese motherfuckers was in the basement, you know, when we was out there. We was in Vegas and I, I never forget, I came back and I got off the plane and I was like, yo, I need to sit down. It's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? And I was just really fatigued and I was, you know, sick for like a week or two after. So when the news said it was a virus, I was like, oh, that's that shit I had, you mm-hmm. know, because I ain't never been sick like that. So then I had to take a flight to Jamaica and I was in Jamaica with the mask on. Right. Mm-hmm. And my parents like, oh, you crazy. Why you got the mask on? They laughing at me and shit. I'm like, you ain't had what I had. Right. Then I got to Jamaica and I got to Jamaican airport and all the hotel uh, airport workers is looking at me like, why this nigga got a mask on? Uh-huh. Fast forward. I'm the one telling everybody, man, fuck that mask. My mama <laughs> and daddy, they got on three, four masks. Jamaica got everything masked up and locked down. And I was like, it's a huge role reversal here. <laughs> that shit was crazy, bro. Man, fear is a motherfucker, dog. Like, fear be making people do some crazy shit, so. Yes, it will. I remember um, when they finally said we was free, we were liberated and said we didn't have to wear masks on the airplanes anymore. I remember getting on my flight. Um, and I looked up and I saw all these people on my flight without masks. And I said, we free, y'all. And the whole plane started clapping. <laughs> I was high-fiving niggas down the aisle and shit. <laughs> niggas was happy. Oh, man. White folks was really happy that day. Oh, man. That's crazy. That's funny as hell, though. Yeah, man. Like, you know, it was like Independence Day all over again, right? <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. We beat the aliens. <laughs> <laughs> we'll still come out welcome to earth <laughs> so you said first year your first year knowledge was being ignored like basically like basic science that's what i saw you know i'm not equipped like you but you know being a hotep you gotta do a little bit of biology and chemistry you know what i'm saying otherwise you can't really call yourself hotep right you know you gotta do your dr sabies and all of that shit so um who was the other cat? Uh, Minister, Minister Inky. You ever listen to Minister Yo, Inky? Oh, listen, Minister Inky is that dude. Like, matter of fact, I used to watch. Um, I used to watch the little Black and Nobel videos. You know, the little bookstore in Philly. They used to do like a little seminar series and shit. I used to have Minister Inky come on. That man, every time he came on there, I was watching his videos. Thought Minister Inky is that dude. Matter of fact, there's a video. Um. It's very hard to find. I'm going to see if I can find it before Hotel Consog, everybody linked to it. <clears throat> but I remember talking about HIV earlier and he had a, he had a whole video like breaking down HIV and all stuff. And he was talking about glycoprotein 120 and he was like, HIV isn't doing anything to anybody. It's glycoprotein is it's GP 120 that is actually causing all the problem. And we started breaking that shit down. I was just like, bro, <laughs> like, what is this? Like, what is he talking about? But it was interesting because a lot of the same things he said about GP120 and HIV 
there were a lot of similarities to like the disease pathology and COVID. And so I was like, hmm, this is really interesting. And so like I watched that video again during the pandemic and I was just like, bro, all this shit makes so much sense, dog. Like there's anyway, who I'm did gonna try I, to find the link. Who did I who did I have on that was talking about GP120? Um, damn, it was somebody I had on was talking about GP120. We was talking about, oh, I remember we had the watch party. Mm-hmm. For the um, that one was sponsored by um, Zeitgeist Reviews. Okay, okay, yeah, that's what it was. And, and um, Eric and um, and Lila Hart had did a documentary on COVID nineteen. It's just like three hours long, mm-hmm. and they kept saying that that GP one twenty. That's why I remember hearing that. So you knew yeah, about this, this from Minister Enki a while ago. Yeah, it, Minister Enki was one of the first people that started talking about, you know, HIV in the community and, you know, what it really is. And I was just like, bro, this shit is crazy. <laughs> this yeah. shit is so crazy. And that was like one of the things that, you know, inspired me to keep going with science. And, you know, because I think I was still an undergrad at the time. Um, matter of fact, I think I was in genetics at the time. I was I was taking genetics that semester when I found that video. Mm. And, um, I was just like, yeah, man, this all oh, this is so interesting. Like it's is and it's interesting too where you where you you get the knowledge from somebody that looks like you and somebody that doesn't look like you, right? Because the points of view are different because the the priorities are different, right? Mm-hmm. Um when you think about like so I mean let's talk about melanin for a little bit. So okay. you can't ever really learn and this is not a good bad right or wrong thing you know some people kind of get pissed off about it, but i'm just like it's just it just is it's just it just is right this, this is just how it is you can't learn fully about yourself if you're a melanated person from a non-melanated person because they don't have the same exact genetics that you do and the things that they want to learn about are not the same genetically that you want to learn about and so there are going to be some things that are de-emphasized on their side that should be emphasized on your side and vice versa and if we were to actually acknowledge that in the medical community and acknowledge that in the scientific community and actually be honest about it, we learn a little bit more about each other in general. Um, and that was one of the things that like made me want to keep going because it's like, man, there are some questions that are in these books that are just not answered in a way that will help me grow as a scientist. And that's where you have to go outside to people like, you know, Minister Inky talking about, um, Laila Africa. Laila Africa is a brilliant, brilliant chemist or brilliant scientist. Um, one of I got one of his books on the the um I can't even think of the name of it now, but it's like an encyclopedia of like African healing and Af- and holistic African healing and stuff. He's got so many th- different things in there that like people do not talk about in traditional medical textbooks or traditional scientific textbooks. Hmm. And he really looks at it from like uh, a whole where he talks about astrology and talking about um african genetics and african um phenotypes genotypes and there are a lot of different things in there like a lot of different charts iridology reflexology these are things that they don't really teach in school anymore you know these are like old old school arts where you know you look at other holistic healers and natural healers you know they actually go into that stuff i think one of the reasons why we don't go into that stuff in western uh, medicine is because if you can't target if you don't have a drug target, Western medicine doesn't care. If they right. can't cut you open or give you a drug, they don't give a fuck about it. <laughs> like that's just that's literally it. Right. Because a lot of diseases start with lymph stagnation, but you cannot give somebody a drug to make lymph not stagnant. So they don't care about it. So like if you can't if you can't market a drug or cut somebody open, Western medicine just doesn't care. And that's only part 
of the equation for people trying to be healthier for people trying to learn about themselves right you guys you actually got to talk about the other stuff that matters too but you know you can't make any money off anything that's curative you gotta you gotta create repeat customers which is why they engineer this shit like they do now especially with these mrna vaccines um these things aren't meant to cure anything a lot of drugs on the market aren't meant to cure anything they're meant to manage symptoms because when you manage symptoms you still have people that got to keep paying for it. they keep paying for it you have we re- have reoccurring reoccurring source of income so that's just the that's the income revenue generating model for um, medicine over here and if you want something different you got to go find something different mm. yeah i remember um binging on minister inky's videos and diving in i think my interest was uh, melanin, right? Obviously, you know, being a black kid, you're like, oh, melanin, let me, you know, go learn about this shit. And then, like you said, he started talking about other different, you know, things, et cetera, et cetera, um, that I found absolutely fascinating. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it's a shame that a lot of his stuff is really hard to find now. Uh, I know he had the stuff with the Amber, with the Amber Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stuff on that website is kind of hard to find now. A lot of the older videos with him on Black and Nobel is kind of hard to find. I'm going to try to find that GP120 video, though, because it'll it'll definitely change your mind about a lot of stuff with HIV, if it hasn't already been changed. Because, yeah, think about, too, who was in charge of the COVID response and who was in charge of the HIV response. So, you know, <laughs> when you start connecting dots, it's like, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here, so. Yeah, uh, I I know his videos are probably, you know, many of them disappeared from the Internet, uh, mostly after the uh, purchase of uh, YouTube by Google. And then they wanted to, you know, because you you, got to imagine, right, like you'd have a channel and they post one video, but another video or another set of videos all violate TOS all of a sudden. So you lose all the good videos and all the bad videos. Meanwhile, it's just like, you know, they said something about something that they shouldn't have said, right? Mm-hmm. So then we lose the whole catalog. Uh, that's why it's very important for some of these videos people just download and keep an archive of. And I know somebody out there has got like a fucking ter- terabytes of all those fucking oh, yeah. old videos and shit. He oh, gonna yeah. try and sell us. I had to do some of that shit with Carrie Mullis's videos. They got they got some of them up still, but uh, I had to do that with some of Carrie Mullis's videos because some of the stuff he was saying is like, bro, they finna they finna take this shit off the internet. Like, ain't no yeah. way they finna lead us up here. So, and people like and that was the thing we were talking about with the PCR test, right? Like I remember when we first started talking about the PCR test, we'll tell you about the different um cycles, the different cycle thresholds and all that stuff, and how they were too high and they were creating all these false positives on purpose and. You know, Carrie, one of Carrie's things that he always talks about how PCR basically is magic <laughs> because like you use such small amount of genetic material that you don't even really know what you're using. And it's like, so have you ever heard the story of like how he found um how he found like all of the parameters to do PCR? Uh-uh. Okay, so Carrie Mullins was was he, he was I ain't gonna say he was a drug addict, but he definitely used to take like hallucinogens and shit. No, for real, he used to take LSD. He was tripping on LSD one night. I think he said he was driving on the side of a mountain and he said like this green raccoon came up to him and like told him all the things to do to do PCR. And he ended up he ended up going and trying in the laboratory and it worked. <laughs> I'm dead ass serious. I'm dead ass serious. Like a fucking green raccoon, dog. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Uncle Hotep discovered the PCR. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. 
psychedelics, man. You know, people ask me, Hotep, you ever did psychedelics? I'm like, nah, nigga, I'm already too fucking psychedelic out. You know what I mean? I'm a little scared. But... You know, and there are a lot of other scientists that, you know, use psychs and then end up finding something, you know. I mean, and I'm not for or against either way. You know, I just think that if if you have another way to unlock um, some of the depths of your brain to figure out something, hey, as long as you're cool with it, knock yourself out. Um, some people use it, some people don't. Some people still find great things without them, you know, but some people think it takes you to a different level, takes you to a different level of knowledge and understanding. That's okay. I don't have any issues with that. Um, all I can say is that there are some people that have found very great inventions when they've been on psychedelics. So that's really mm -hmm. all I can say about it. In my early 20s, I remember big PC geek and there was some problem I was trying to figure out with my PC and I just couldn't figure it out. And then um, I just went to sleep. I decided to go to sleep and uh, I entered a dream. And in the dream, I figured out the problem. Mm -hmm. And then I popped up out of my dream, went to the computer, tried it and it worked. And I was like, holy shit, what the fuck was that? So, so you have to think about like, so, and I think Rick was talking about this a little bit too, is that like, we, we don't navigate uh, life through just a physical space, right? We also navigate it through a mental and spiritual space. So there are a lot of things that when we think about um, in the, in the waking space that we're in, we don't have all these answers in the waking space, but when we go to sleep and we start to pull these things down from the ether, like the, the answers are already there. It's just on us to like, be able to interpret them and pull them and pull them down. And sometimes you have to go into different um, states in order to do that. So one of my one of the things I think about a lot, <clears throat> um, especially when you're solving problems, I heard this quote a while ago is that you can't trust the thought that you have while you're sitting down. And I'm just like, that makes so much sense because nothing's flowing. Like you have everything stagnant. You're just kind of in, in the same spot. Nothing's moving. Nothing's flowing. And everything in this universe that we're in right now works via flow, right? You have to be flowing in some kind of way, you know, whether you're moving, talking, um, you're just, you know, in the energy, you're, you're, you have to be in it to feel it, right? <clears throat> so when you're solving those problems, or if you have a problem that you're that you're having a lot of uh, issues trying to solve, one of the best things you do is take a walk. Whenever I have something that, you know, I'm having issues with, or it's like, damn, I can't figure this out, I'll just get up and take like a 15, 20-minute walk, and I'll think about it while I'm walking. And those are the things that generally after that happens, I'll find a solution to whatever it is. Sometimes you set that intention before you go to bed, right? And you ask your sleep self, like, hey, go find, I can't figure this shit out. <laughs> I need you. Can you go go do something else in this in the sleep realm? Go find out what we're looking for. I know what's up there. I just can't pull it down. I need you to bring that down here so when I get up, I can go figure this out. And a lot of times that'll happen, right? Especially if you can like lucid dream, right? So lucid dreaming was something I used to do. Um, I used to do it a lot when I was an undergrad, just to see if I could do it, right? And I remember one time I was able to do like three nights in a row. And it's like, it's kind of like this sweet spot, right? Where you kind of have to train your body to do it. <clears throat> you have to like get right to the edge of when you're about to fall into deep sleep. And then you kind of have to like shock yourself out of it. And then you start talking, like start talking to yourself in your head. It's like, hey, do this. And then like you see yourself do it in the dream. And it's like, oh, okay. Like once you're in that state, then you know, you can kind of just like walk around, and do whatever you want to do. And um, I don't experiment with a lot of it anymore than I probably should. But um, lucid dreaming, you can find out a lot of things and like do a lot of things hypothetically that you can try when you're when you're awake. Um, that's one of the things that's helped me a lot with chemistry because a lot of times you have to see, especially when you're doing organic chemistry, you kind of have to envision the molecules in your head, right? Where we have these model kits, we have these 3D model kits where you have like balls and sticks, you put them together and it gives you a spatial representation of whatever the molecule is, right? 
well, if you can't see that inside of your head, it's very hard for you to make the molecules that you need to make and 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 guess or see how they're going to fit into different spaces, right? So being able to turn and move things in your head is definitely something that's helpful when you're trying to create things, right? And I that's, remember- That's spatial intelligence. Yes, spatial intelligence. And a lot of people do not have that. And I was very, very shocked to learn that because it's just something I've always been able to do. Like it got better when I started like actually training it, but that's something I've always been able to do. And so I was talking with my colleagues one day and I was like, yeah, you know, I was kind of like looking at it in my head and they were just looking at me like, like you can do that. I was like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, like how, like how are you You can't do that. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> what are you about here? So I, that's something that a lot of people don't have. Uh, I definitely think it's something that you can train, but you have to be active about training it. But once you do have that spatial intelligence, it helps you a lot because you know everything's not flat. Um, and that's one of the things I like to talk about with like depth, right? We'll talk about this some at HotelCon too. Um, you're talking about interference and you talk about light and light being a particle or a wave and how like light has both of those both of those natures right and so people talk about um it's almost like listening to a song for the first time you come back and listen to it like five years later once you have more knowledge and understand you hear something else different right well all of these spaces that we're in have a significant amount of depth to them and for your level of knowledge and understanding, you may not be able to see it, right? So the perfect example I give is like Mario. So when Mario first started off, Mario's 2D, you know, he's got his ugly ass overalls on, the stages are really bland, he can only just throw shit in one direction. But as we go through the different progressions of, of video game consoles, right? Mario starts to gain more depth. So we go from, you know, Super Mario to Mario 2 to Mario 3 to Mario 64. Now Mario is just like, like, damn, we can see everything that Mario can see, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing was, was that Mario always had 3D depth. We couldn't see it because we're limited by what we understand at the time and what our senses allow us to see. So you can be in the same exact space and experience life differently from what somebody else is experiencing. So I can, so we could all be sitting in the Ahern, right? <clears throat> you have one person that walk in, they're multi-billionaire, right? That person is experiencing that space completely differently from how we're experiencing it. Does that mean that the space is different? No, that means that they have a level of depth and understanding that everybody else doesn't have. That's not a good, bad, right, or wrong thing. That is a progression thing. And that is how we have to look at things when we're around them. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And just because we can't see it doesn't mean that we won't eventually be able to see it. But you have to equip yourself with the knowledge and the understanding and the spatial tools and able to, in order to be able to recognize. It. And that's that's science all day. That's, you know, inter that's constructive interference, destructive interference. We talk about vibes because, um, you know, a lot of times we used to work out vibes. You go in somewhere. He's like, you kind of get a bad vibe, right? He's mm -hmm. like, I'm get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then some, then some shit go down later on, you know? Mm -hmm. That's that's science. Because if we're all electromagnetic beings, that means we have an electrical field, we have a magnetic field. Like things attract like things. Unlike things repel each other, right? So if your magnetic field, your electric field is not matched up with, whatever, with wherever you are, you're going to feel it instantly. Now, whether or not you choose to pay attention to it, that's a completely different thing. Because some people just ignore the shit and then be be messed up when it's damn shooting going on. It was like, all right, but you felt the vibes when you walked in there. Yep. So like, you didn't listen, yeah. You know? So, um, but a lot of people don't think about it like that on a scientific level. But all the shit is science. Like it's it's it's, it's all, all science. science. 
we some of we pay attention to, some of we don't. We try to make excuses for it on the back end. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, uh, in regards to spatial intelligence, uh, I began to work on mine through uh, playing chess, and um, chess requires a ton of visualization because you have mm -hmm. to see, you know, set amount of moves ahead right and then people think oh well that's easy it's just you know you gotta you know see you know set moves ahead but it's like it doesn't exactly work like that for example um if i have um if i make a series of moves in my head i also have to calculate like an x-ray move or a pin piece right because you have to calculate the fact that You've moved that piece, and now you have to compensate in your mind what changed about the game after you moved that piece. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll do a set of moves, and you'll be like, oh, wait, that's wrong because this piece is no longer there. Therefore, my queen is hanging, right? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. let's say I have like my knight in the same row as my queen. I can calculate all these different knight moves, but the queen is in the same row as this one. So as soon as I moved my knight, my queen was exposed. You have mm -hmm. to see all those different levels of depth. And that's why I always, you know, I always tell people you should definitely train in, in chess. Um, and, and really my motivation in training in chess was to get better at manifesting things I wanted in my life. Because mm -hmm. manifesting requires visualization and chess requires that's, visualization. That's and through doing that, I'm able to, <clears throat> you know, do pretty awesome things. And it's interesting that you bring that up too, because sometimes I'll watch like um like different masters, international masters, grandmasters play. And it's funny because like I'll watch them play against stockfish sometimes, and it's like they'll see these moves like a human would never make this move. <laughs> like how that like that's how you know you're playing, that's how you know you're like sometimes they'll they'll try to catch people cheating. Yeah, and it was like a human would never make this move. It is the correct move, right? But a human would never see this, correct. and so that's how you can distinguish between like somebody that's actually playing the game and somebody that's actually cheating. So like that, that stuff is very true because you know, it's, again, it's about depth. It's about what you know, what you've seen, what you understand, and the patterns that repeat based on the patterns that a normal human would see playing chess. They're never going to see this move. A computer is going to see it because it's just going to analyze all the moves that are available and calculate the best one. Right at a super deep de depth as well. So they'll see all the different combinations where it's just impossible for us to do it, especially in certain time limits. Um, but yeah, like also like when you analyze your chess games, you have to understand the game well enough to know the difference between a computer move and a human move. Right. Because you could be like, oh, this was the right move. But I'm like, there's no way in hell I was figuring that <laughs> shit out. <laughs> like, just you got to kind of like let it go right? right and try to focus on some of the ones that more obvious maybe force moves you know um but chess is a beautiful game and and i actually had a little bit of experience um in the in the ether world with chess where um it was recent i was in miami falling asleep and i was visualizing a chess board as i was falling asleep because i'm just a chess addict and then um I was able to see the board and I was like, oh shit, I can see the board. Cause usually I can't see the board. If I close my eyes, I can't see the board. I was able to like count the squares in my head, but only in this like half sleep moment, the moment mm -hmm. I had full waking, I was better at seeing the board, but I didn't see it like when I was. And then another time I was falling asleep and I was visualizing the board and I noticed that I shrunk the board to see the board better. So now when I visualize, like we do, um, we do blindfold exercises with the coach. So like, um, I'm actually I can't give up the secret of what exactly he does, but basically he tells us the position on the board and then we have to see that position on the board and then find mate. Right. So um, 
in doing that, I've, you know, I've realized if I make the board smaller in my head, it's like this big. And then I can actually see the whole board. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're playing a computer, like the board's kind of big or in real life, the board's kind of big. But if you can shrink it, you can see the whole thing. So that's what mm-hmm. I learned. Like in half sleep, I learned to shrink the board. And when I told coach, I was like, coach, I shrink the board in my head. He goes, oh, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. I'm like, why the <laughs> fuck you ain't tell me? You know? <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> now you learned it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let me see what's up with the Super Chats. And I'm going to let Tanai, you know, enjoy his day. Uh, I promised I have him out of 30 minutes and we went over time a little bit. Um, okay, so AM1 says Hotep should chat with uh, Dr. Tom's Cowan and Andrew Kaufman to sort this out. They have some of the best info on this topic. You ever heard of those names? Uh, no, I'll talk about it. All right. Cannon Hotep, he says, that's why I was out here yelling frizzle over Fauci. Uh, he was trying to tell us what we learned in school was null and void. Yeah, word. Punks McGee said uh, tick bites cause alpha GAN syndrome, a allergy to red meat. The Fauci juice has alpha gal syndrome. Yeah, this, yeah, I've heard about that. <clears throat> he said the Fauci juice has the same ingredients as tick bites. AGS is up forty percent since twenty seventeen. Coincidence? Oh man, here we go. That's a side quest, ain't it? <laughs> That's definitely a side quest. He's definitely getting thrown in the gulags for that one. Um, let me check on the chat. Uh, shout out to the chat. I see y'all in the chat. Appreciate y'all tuning in on this fine Saturday. What up, Fuego? What up, Jonah? Tari in the house. What up, man? Let me check on my YouTubers, too. You know what I mean? Show y'all some love. What up, Carmen? Carmen's in the house. What up, Carmen? Carmen Smith Studio, one of my favorite malls. Um, <laughs> Jabari in the house. Uh, he said, lack of sleep equals depression and hallucinating. Coincidence? Oh, wow. Uh, Cannon said he used to lucid lucid dream at will. When I was a kid, I could. I I tried yeah, nowadays. I like, try now, like because you know we be we be distracted with so much shit. Like you gotta Word. have a clear mind to do it, you know. So you Word. yeah, you have to right now. <clears throat> I got too much worries and shit, and I'm going to bed. You know what I mean? When I was younger, you ain't had shit to worry about. <laughs> so I was hopping in and out of lucid dreams when I was younger. But adult, I'm like I'm worried about the bills and this and the. Griff report and Hotep Khan. I can't even keep a straight head. Um, psychedelics just release certain chemicals to certain receptors in the brain. You can have that happen naturally if you learn how to control your brain. Uh oh. Yeah, that is true. That is true. You produce small amounts of DMT when you breathe, so a lot of it has to do with breath work. Mm. Robert Jones says I have legit soft math problems in my sleep. Yeah, I used to tell um, my students. I used to have a Saturday class. I used to tell my students. I say y'all got to learn how to do y'all work and y'all sleep. They used to look at me like, what the fuck is this nigga talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, I tried to explain it to him, but I still think it was like a foreign concept for some of them. But Bobby yeah. Hemet, I don't know how, how deep into that shit you was going to like. Oh, Bobby I remember him. <laughs> that nigga crazy. <laughs> so Bobby Hemet used to have a, a couple little videos you talked about like lucid dreaming and talking about all that stuff. So it's interesting if, if, you're, if you're into that stuff, it's, it's very interesting to think about. Bobby Hemet was the man, yo. Cause you see, you see what these motherfuckers, these crackers, what they do is, <laughs> <laughs> these crackers, they, 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 they got, they got psychology. Yo. <laughs> I was listening to some Bobby Hammond the other day. I had to turn it off and shit. Like, <laughs> some of this shit be like, all right, man, like, you kind of go a little bit too far with this. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I'm ready for. I don't know if I ever be ready for that. <laughs> you know, for me, what it was, it was more of the, 
the 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 charlatan coming out through his rhetoric. Where it's just like, I just want the information, dog. I don't need you to tell me why it's pertinent to my life, you know. But I know he, you know, it was a different times, the eighties. You know what I mean? You had to keep the crowd. You know, engage. Yeah, keep in it, man. Yeah, keep in it. Like you look at something with Phil Valentine old lectures, man. Like so, yeah. like they just you just had to keep them in it somehow, you know. So no, nah, I feel it. I feel it. Yeah, but I tried to listen to some Bobby Hemmett, and I ended up. I think I turned it off and put on some John Henry Clark. <laughs> some, some shit, John Henry Clark. Come, I take my long drives. I get the lectures on. Oh man, um, hey man, good time. I can't wait to see your hotel con. I will get you your flight information. Don't worry, we already booked it. You're good to go. So I'll get you your flight information and um, all as well. And I'll see you next week. All right, sounds good. See y'all later, family. Hotel and Bill. All right, hotel and Bill. Ladies, we'll be right back after this short commercial break. Yeah, I can try to get that handled for you again. It's only my second day, so if you can give me a second, how I'm supposed to do this. How the hell are we supposed to do this by five o'clock? I have no clue. Is that possible? Hey, do you have the password to... How'd you finish all your work already? He's not tapped in. Mm-mm. How'd you get that done so quick? <laughs> they think they're gonna be able to budget that? It's money. That's money right there, you understand? You guys finished your work six hours early? He's not tapped in. We back. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. Hey, I'm a, a published author. Three-time author. You can go get all my books at hotepjesus.com. Uh, we got a couple of short stories. Then we're going to open up the phone lines. It's a wild Saturday. It's a very weird Saturday. Let's start off slow with the Griff Report. So we got uh, DeSantis showing up somewhere, somehow, when the crowd is chanting for Trump. That's got to be so demoralizing. That's got to be absolutely demoralizing to show up somewhere and everybody's cheering on your competition. Absolutely demoralizing. Who? I'm trying to. Who? Wait, can y'all see me? Wait, why can't y'all see me? <laughs> um. Nope. Uh, I'll figure it out. Hold on. I'm here, right? Okay, I'm here. But I'm not here. I'm here. But I'm not here. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, so, um, oh, I know what I can do. Wait, that didn't work. <laughs> and there, uh, okay. Um, maybe if I push this up, Ooh, too far here. Ah, there we go. I'm in there. So who, who actually thought that 
DeSantis had any hope of defeating Trump, like any. Didn't Hotep's been told you this guy wasn't going to make it? He, just, he ain't got it. He just doesn't have it. And now he's embarrassed. The worst thing he could have did was attack Trump. If he was going to run, he should just mind his business, say, hey, I like Trump. You know, if I lose, I wouldn't mind being his VP. Keep your nose clean. But he listened to his people and they fucked him up. Go at Trump. You know why? You know why he did that? Because that's what everybody tells you to do in politics. In politics, they tell you, attack your opponent. Attack your opponent. I'd love to say that doesn't work. But they've been doing it so long and I don't have political experience that I don't want to refute it and say it doesn't work. But I would venture to say from my, my experience in business that that's pretty much a bad idea to highlight your competition. You're giving them visibility. You're bringing them front of mind. But I guess, you know, maybe it's different in politics. I don't know. But if I ran Smite's political campaign, I would tell them, yo, don't do that. That's, that's, that's a bad move. And maybe that would just make me a bad political uh, commentator. Um, it's the Griff Report. So, you know, we got the griftiest. Fucking Vivek is out here. But they got political karaoke now. If y'all want to get it on the phone lines, text message 202-596-5631, 202-596-5631. Text that number with Hotep and then your name to get in line. We got a short bag today, so we're going to get to the calls probably within the next 10, 15 minutes. So Vivek, he just can't help himself. Now he's, he went from attacking black culture to, well, I guess it doesn't count because it's Eminem and he's a white rapper. But he went from uh, attacking black culture to uh, this shit. Um, what is this? I'm going to ask, I'm going to the presidential debate this month. What should I ask? Okay. So Dom Lucre got, uh, Twitter space open. All right. All right. Doing a little bit of crowdsourcing there. Uh, all right. Last two stories are wild as shit. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but these are related. My boy, uh, Blair white post this video of, uh, my boy, Alex. Let's see what's going on. Blair's a good person. You look like a woman. Blair White's done nothing wrong. Your bones look like a woman. We're very blessed to have you as an amazing, beautiful... Hey, yo, first of all... <laughs> right here. Your bones look like a woman. <laughs> Your bones look like a woman. <laughs> Yeah. Wrong. Your bones look like a woman. Your bones look like a woman. <laughs> Which bone you talking about, Alex? This is absolutely insane. Your bones look like a woman. Alex got cut it out, yo. 
We, he been he been in broadcast too long. That's his issue. He been in broadcast too long. You're very blessed to have you as an amazing, beautiful, smart person. My genetics says this is a woman. You're an articulate. My genetics says this is a woman. When he says that, what does he mean? What does he mean by that? Is Blair White turning him on? Is that what he means? My genetics says this is a woman. You're an articulate, amazing person, a beautiful person. The way God works mysterious ways, it creates beautiful things. It just shows you how the how God works in mysterious ways. I just got one question for for Blair White. Chat, can you help me out? Cause I gotta I gotta stand up. I gotta stand up uh what do you call it? A stand up act or whatever spiel or something but one of my stand routine i have a stand-up routine that talks about trans people in a very funny way in a way that won't get me canceled so anyway does blair white still got a thing thing he's getting a trans boner <laughs> come on jabari does blair white have a boner that's all i want to know I know this in my heart. You're a good person. You love the children. You're and pause just in case. You're the perfect spokesperson. This is what uh, they probably should have uh, done over at uh, over at uh, Bud Light. Inherently, at a spiritual level, I realize. <laughs> he just pull her up on his phone and say, this is what they need to do over at Bud Light. <laughs> yo, yo, we got to pause on my man, Alex, yo. Over at uh, Bud Light. Inherently, at a spiritual level, I realize that... God's working through you, and it's 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 an amazing thing. Blair's a good. <laughs> hey yo, Alex, listen. I know you watch the show from time to time. Here's my message to you, man. Don't do it, bro. Don't do it. I know your eyes are deceiving you, but don't be fooled, man. Don't be fooled. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I know you getting up there in age and all of that shit. Bruh, come back. Come back to us. Somebody asked me, um, oh, this is Kay. She texted me, you know, how do you spell the minister's name? You know what I'm saying? There you go. I think I just sent it. Uh, let's see if we can find a video from the minister. Actually, let's go to YouTube. Let's type in, um, I think this is how you spell it. Or is it with a Q? Oh, it's with a Q. Minister Inky. Here I go. And, uh, Minister Inky. Uh, oh, let's type in, um, so we can cut right. He's got a bunch of articles. I mean, um, lectures here on uh, chemistry. Damn, they don't even don't even pop up anymore. Damn. Um, maybe his melanin lecture will pop up. Uh, damn, I don't know what the fuck happened, but that's how you spell it: E N Q I. Okay, here's one of his lectures. This is a two hour and 36. And uh, he's like going through all the different conditions for fungus, mold, and bacteria to grow. Dark, 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 dark. Yeah. 
That's right. So we're in the club. The perfect place, right? What's the number one thing that bacteria, yeast, and fungus like? Moisture. Alcohol. Alcohol. Oh, wow. Alcohol. No, they exude it like sweat. They need that because most of them are what's called hydrophobic, which means they can't live in water. Right? So they use alcohol to dry up all the water in any area of the body that they want to make their home. <laughs> so you got to start to look at them like little people, then it makes more sense, right? And this is fungus, right? You got a, a, a husband or a wife, and y'all looking to settle down and raise a family. So this is Ms. Anki. He, he was teaching. This is what I used to watch. You see this one? It says uh, February 2013. And this was at Black, Black and Noble Books. This is a bookstore. So you might find it, the rest of his videos on this channel because he's... Because that's really what, what used to happen in the Hotep community. We'd have our lectures at bookstores. All of our lectures, you'd, you know, you'd buy tickets and you'd go to the bookstore. This is before Amazon really killed a lot of the bookstores. There's still a lot of um, uh, black bookstores uh, floating around today um, that are more historical and places of uh, meeting. But that's what we used to do, man. We used to go to the... Uh, we used to go to the uh, bookstore and, and watch all of these people with different specialties come together and, you know, talk about various subject matters. This is one of them. But, um, yeah, lots of knowledge on these channels. Lots of knowledge on these channels. Anyway, let's go back. Somebody asked me about that, so I just want to make sure we got them that information. All right, let's go back here. Here. Um... So speaking of weird shit, Barack Obama told his ex, I make love to men daily, but in my imagination. I can't wait to hear Goldstein's take on this. According to the New York Post, it says former President Obama wrote of his own androgynous mind making love to men daily, but in the imagination, according to the redacted portion of a now notorious 1982 letter obtained by the post, the more than 40 year old letter to an ex-girlfriend recently resurfaced after Obama biographer, David Garrow gave a long and winded interview on the one time commander in chief in regard to homosexuality. I must say that I believe this attempt to remove oneself from the present, a refusal perhaps to perpetuate the endless uh, farce of er earthly life. You see, I make love to men daily, but in the imagination. Obama, then 21, wrote to Alex McNair. Why would you write that down? My mind is androgynous to a great extent, and I hope to make it more so until I can think in terms of people, not women as opposed to men. But in returning to the body, I see that I have been made a man and physically in life. I choose to accept that contingency, he added. McNair, who dated... Uh, Obama, during his year at Occidental College in Los Angeles, later redacted the salacious paragraphs, which the Pulitzer Prize-winning historian Garrow hunted down and included in his tomb. So, all, you know, you know exactly what this is about to infuriate. It's about to stoke the flames and the fires of. I know y'all. Let me go check the chat. I know the chat probably already doing it. I know the chat in there wilding out. That's what the cook said where he at. Oh, yeah. Remember what happened to the cook? The cook died, right? Somebody said Blair has a bone below the waist. Oh, my Lord. 
Is that true? She does. The Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Straight white male news said Pearl greater than Blair. <laughs> Mo facts in the house. Mo facts in the house. Emmanuel Presley says, no cap. Blair looks like a woman. Calm down, Emmanuel. Relax. Relax. You're going to get caught up. Straight white male news said Blair over Suki. You taking Blair over Sukiyana? Blair over sexy red? Olivia said Blair was very cute when he was a young man. Really? Fellas, y'all smashing, um, y'all smashing Blair? You, you, would you, would you date Blair, fellas? Y'all in here wildin'. That's a huge note for me, just in case. EMP over here wildin' out. EMP 1990 wildin' out in the Rumble chat. All right, let's not waste any time. Phone lines are open. 202-596-5631. Hold on, I got to get signed in first. It, it does some weird shit now. It, like, logs into a different account. Google fucked me up last week. Text Hotepping in your name to uh, 202-596-5631. 202-596-5631. Looks like we got a bunch of people in the line right now. Um, so we'll be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> 